one of the more challenging aspects of mindfulness practice, at least for me and what I have experienced, is that as I have moved towards an understanding and an appreciation of losing the, what's, what Buddhists refer to as losing the preoccupation with self, you know, they, they, they call it, no, or they'll refer to it as no self, that there is no self. And it gets, it, you know, it's, and that's not necessarily the focus of what I'm talking about today, but it is important to note that, that it is a, a core tenet of mindfulness practice in that if we are so caught up in preoccupation with the self and who we think we are and what we think we are and what we think our lives are about and what we think about where we are headed, what we think about what's happened to us in the past and how we feel about it and about what's happening right now, that there is a tendency to, if we try too hard to lose that preoccupation with our own, with our, with the self, that somehow we will lose ourself. And I don't really know if that's true or not. I, that, that's one of those things that I think I, at least for me, that I, it can't be known. I don't, I don't, you know, in terms of taking it anything to extremes, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if that's something I even need to be worried about. I, I don't find myself worrying about it much. Looking back now, I do definitely remember a time early on, uh, you know, 18, 19, 20 years ago when I first started studying mindfulness, that as I encountered a lot of the Buddhist teachings and a lot of the mindfulness teachings about how we are supposed to let go of the clinging to who we think we are and what we are, what's referred to as the preoccupation with the self, that it seemed a little bit esoteric to me in that I you know, felt like there was a possibility that I could lose myself in this process because if I'm not, if I'm not holding fast to, you know, who I think that I am and what I think that I am, at least at that point in my life, at, at that time, uh, that was very new to me and it was very disorienting. I, I found myself with a lot of questions. How exactly, how does this work? How do I, uh, you know, how do I operate if I, if I, if I, if I'm no longer clinging to who I think that I am and what I think my life is about and where I'm headed and where I've been, then how do I relate to anyone else uh, if I'm not coming from any particular standpoint? And I think that there, there again, that gets back to, you know, one of those uh, core Buddhist teachings in that there's no, you know, they refer to it as you have nowhere to stand. You know, they call it no self. And I think for Westerners in particular, this is a uh, this is kind of a tricky uh, subject to deal with. And I had someone ask me the other day about this and about how you know there was sort of a a fear and a concern about you know losing you know what happens if I get too deeply into this that I lose myself in the process. And it's a valid concern. Uh, and especially in the Western part of the world where we are very, very focused on, you know, on, on, we, we think very, there's a tendency to think very dualistically and there's no judgment. It's just, there's different, you know, cultures, different civilizations, and that is the, uh, the dominant way of thinking. So when that is the case, and I know that I was, you know, certainly raised in that culture and environment, uh, 
it was, you know, it, I, I guess I, and when I thought about it and it's, it's interesting because I had not really considered that or thought about that in a very, very long time. And as I thought about it, it occurred to me that it's something that I think you just, you, you choose to take that journey. There's no need to worry about losing yourself. I'm not, and I don't want to say that you can't lose yourself or that you completely go into a void where you no longer feel like you're, you're who you are. Uh, I really can't say. And, and I know in, in, in a, uh, in, in a perfect world, I could offer assurances and say, you know what, you don't have to worry about it at all. And when I was talking to this person, I explained to them, you know, this very, uh, you know, this, this, this exact same way is that I, you know, I cannot guarantee that that will not happen. It did not happen with me. Uh, and I've talked to many, many people over the, the last two decades who have practiced mindfulness. I have not run into anyone as of yet who has told me that they completely lost contact with and lost any sense at all of who they were. And I had, and, and there are some very esoteric spiritual practices, not, not that I'm going to talk about that right now. Uh, there are some definite, you know, spiritual practices and ways, uh, philosophies of looking at life and, and the world and the universe that can lead one to definitely shed, uh, their, uh, uh, attachment to their ego. And I'm not saying that that's for everyone. And I'm not, I'm no one to say that it's for anyone or not for anyone at all. I'm just acknowledging that there are certain practices that are focused on that, but I'm not necessarily saying that that's what a person uh, has to do in order to be more mindful. So I think it's, I think if I were to sum all of this up, what I would say is, is that there. There, there, there may be fear about that, and I don't want to dismiss it, and I certainly don't want to make someone feel that they're being uh, unreasonable by having that. I guess, if anything, it's learning how to sit with that fear or concern and still be willing to engage in mindfulness practice and to actively begin to question what one thinks about oneself of who, what one, you know, one per, a person thinks who, you know, but what they think about who they are, what their life is about, where they're headed, where they've been, uh, you know, and, and, and looking at their opinions and their thoughts about life and their, their own lives and, uh, and their beliefs and start to, to sit with those things. And I think it leads to an active, you know, it leads to an active questioning that begins to take place. I think once someone continues to practice mindfulness to the point that they can actually sit with themselves and with whatever is going through their minds and begin to be more comfortable with being what I call comfortable with being more uncomfortable, being able to sit with all of these things, you know, running through their head, all the thoughts that they have and the feeling, the thoughts about the feelings that are coming up. And I think that it's something that you just have to put one foot in front of the other. There's no magic formula. I think it's just a matter of continuing to be focused on the work. And at the end of the day, I think that by continuing mindfulness practice and being open to what's coming up and to, you know, not necessarily confronting it, but just being aware of it, I think it, it, it naturally leads to the ability to start to see what, you know, how we're thinking, what we're thinking, how we're reacting, because that's the whole point is, 
is the this the, this is not just for the sake of doing this. I think this is what I refer to as the long game. This is the this is not something that's a quick fix or a quick turnaround. This is something that is a long term habitual practice that beca- that comes to the point where it's not even really habitual. It just happens. You just you know, you catch yourself in any particular situations where you're reacting to something, and you start to f- have thoughts and and uh, and reactions to what is you know coming in from the outside, what someone is doing to you, what someone is saying to you, what you think someone is saying to you, what you think that's probably a more uh, apt way of putting it. You know, what you think someone is doing to you, because many times what we think is happening to us is not really what's happening. What's you know what we're fixated on is our reactions to them and i think that that re- those reactions come from a clinging to uh, the self a preoccupation with the self and with being so focused on how this affects us that we're not able to see the whole picture and i know for me that has definitely been what this has been about uh i did not really go about any sort of you know uh prescribed program to loot it, and I think to loosen my my uh, uh, clinging to the to the self. I think this is something that just unfolds. I think the, I guess if I'd sum all this up to say the key is really on continuing the practice, continuing to train the mind, to train the body to sit still with the mind, doing what it does for a period of time and doing it consistently on a daily basis, or as consistently as one can do it. And I think what happens is that leads to being able to be my, what I call mindful on your feet. You know, when you're when you're in the middle of life and you're in, in the middle uh, of what John Kabat-Zinn calls the full catastrophe, when life is just happening and everything is just it's all coming at you. It feels like it's coming at you all at once. That you're able to slow things down enough in your mind to acknowledge and note how you are feeling, what you are feeling, how you may be reacting to something, and to not be attached to any thoughts that come from those reactions, and to just be able to live life. And it sounds very simple. It sounds simple enough, but it is not not, not really so in practice. This is something that, you know, I think is it, it took me many years to get to a place where I could start to see myself uh, being more mindful, you know, on my feet in the moment, in the middle of the storm, and not get carried away with my reactions to what was happening to me or what I thought was happening to me, and all of my thoughts and ruminations about it. I think that this was something that took time. So I think it's this is really what the practice is about. It's all it's the, what I refer to again as the long game. This is you know this is not a this is not a something that you just start doing, and it's not to say that you won't start to see benefits from it in the short term. But I think this is something that has to be uh, a commitment to it day in and day out, and and living this way. You know, being aware of what is going on in your mind, and I think that is really at the end of the day. I think that it for me that has allowed me to be more engaged in life. I'm 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 more in it because of the fact that I'm paying attention to everything and noting it and not using, hopefully not using as much mental bandwidth, uh, you know, in all my reactions to it and all my thoughts about it. And I, I do acknowledge that there can be, in the beginning especially, a fear of, you know, what if I lose touch with who I am? If I, if I, if I get to the point that I'm no longer, you know, clinging to that or using that as a shield to face outward towards the world, 
because I know that that's you know part of the self. We pr- we protect ourselves. That's our refuge. We develop certain defense mechanisms and ways of protecting ourselves and shielding ourselves from what's going on outside of us. And it can feel a little bit disarming and a little bit disorienting to suddenly decide to live life without you know putting up that shield without putting up those defenses and if anything to actually completely begin to question those defenses and to find that we can actually live effectively and live safely uh, in the in in the moment you know without clinging to all of those defense mechanisms and without clinging to our you know our concept of who we are and, and that preoccupation with the self it is possible to do it. I uh, I will acknowledge that it can be uh, a little. It can be a little bit daunting. It can be a little bit. It can be a little difficult. And I think that's where the more that we practice being comfortable with being uncomfortable, and doing the practice, we begin to see that we we can actually do it, even in spite of the fact that sometimes it's very uncomfortable, and very difficult to do so. And some days it's just not going to be easy at all. And those are the times when we need the practice the most is when we're really struggling. At least I found that for myself. So I think it is, you know, getting back to being able to uh, strike that balance. In other words, you know, to begin to systematically question the preoccupation with self and to loosen the clinging to it. And also, at the same time, acknowledging that there may be fear of losing that concept of who we think we are. And it's not something that can, that can just drop away immediately. It's, I've, there's, I've never have had anyone say that that's the expectation uh, or that that's what, you know, that's what we should be aiming for. This, this is not a race. It's not a sprint. It's kind of like the old saying, it's, you know, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And that's why I really refer to it as the long game. This is something that is, this is something that is, it's a lifetime of practice. And there, there is no expect, there are no expectations, there are no timelines, there are no goals, uh, there are no, uh, 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 what do you call it, um, uh, I think that some people refer to it as uh, milestones, I guess is the word I'm, I'm just look, looking for there. There's no, there's no progress charts. This is just about, you know, each of us, I think, you know, uh, unfolds differently through this process. Each of us, you know, changes and begins to, to be in a different way and relate to these things in a different way at their own pace and in their own way. And I think that's, that's really what's important here is we're all individuals. We all are going to go through this process if we choose to in a different way and at a different pace.